You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging. But in 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. I'm always fascinated to see that there's a difference between how women treat their money versus their male counterpart, even in a relationship. Do you ever wonder why that is? It is how differently women spend their money, how they save, how they talk about the money. And I really came to understand that the real reason for all of this is because money is personal. And so when it's personal to each and every one of us, we get to decide how we actually want to treat it and what we want to do with it. In today's conversation with Dr. Mary Bell Carlson, a financial behavior expert who currently runs a chief financial mom.com, personal finance educational platform, we get to explore what women are doing and how some of the things that are seem to be stereotypical could be actually used to our advantage. Join me on this conversation. Hey, Money Bosses. I am very excited for today's conversation um, with uh, Dr. Mary Bell Carlson, a financial expert who is going to share with us some ideas, insights, and tips as to how women can really do a little bit better with their money. I'll start with that and see <laughs> where this conversation kind of takes us. But uh, Mary, it is so awesome to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to join you today. So let's kick off um, this conversation. But um, both you and I um, have worked with women in the past, continue to work with women, and you have created a whole community that really uh, you know, targets that, that group. And so um, from our professional experience, and personal experience as well. So how and why is it that women really look at money differently? Why do we treat money differently? Why is it like, I just want to know why. So I, you know, there's just like the big why. So let's kind of start there. Well, there's a reason that we call it personal financial planning in many of the academic programs that we have. And that is because money is personal. And so I think it's very hard. Sometimes we like to think that it's generalizable and we can listen to talking heads and say, oh, yeah, this is how everyone handles their money or this is the right way to do it or this is the wrong way to do it. I don't believe that's true. I think every family, every individual, every human being is a little bit different. They have their own unique skill sets. They bring their own strengths and weaknesses to the table. And I think that's true with money of of people have grown up with different experiences, different life experiences, have different money beliefs, um, have been taught uh, about different things, even cognitively, but as well as emotionally, uh, people have varying things and women especially. So I can't even say that women as a whole, um, I think it really is up to individual women with their own life experiences and what they've had. I would say generally, 
a lot of women are more in tune emotionally and instinctively. We have what I like to call a mother's instinct of that we know certain things or we feel certain things or we have often you hear in women with women, they'll say, how do you feel about this? Right. It, we have an emotional connection uh, and that even goes into money that often there's that logical, rational side of the brain uh, that some like to think with in women included, both men and women. But then a lot of us also think on an emotional level and money is a part of emotion as much as it is on that logical side. Um, We also as women are primarily the caregivers, whether it be caregiving for parents, caregiving for children, and often caregiving for both. We, you know, they call that the sandwich generation in a lot of ways where you're taking care of littles while also taking care of parents. And that's a lot of pressure. So in this day and age of working women, we have a lot of women who obviously are having to get out the door to set time, having to be 100% at work while also trying to manage all the home life, you know, whether it's cooking dinner or running the kids to soccer practice or picking up groceries or, or in now in this day and age, even doing do- grocery delivery, you're still responsible. You've got to keep everything going. Um, some are fortunate to have great partners that participate in some of these household chores as well, but some are really on their own, whether in a marriage or whether a single parent or not. And so I feel like there's a lot of pressure put on women, um, both uh, in a emotional physical standpoint, but also a financial standpoint. A lot of women are becoming more and more the breadwinners in the family. And that makes for a different dynamic and relationship as well. Um, We're also the nurturers that it's not that we just kiss wounds when our toddler falls, uh, but we also nurture and teach. We're the primary teachers in a lot of ways. There's a lot of responsibilities that women have on their plates uh, and a lot of various ways that they have to deal with it. And so I think that that when we say, why do women look at money differently or treat it differently? You kind of have to look at that bigger picture and realize how many things women in general are juggling and mothers are juggling. You know, there's so many different and there's expectations, both internal expectations that we have for ourselves, but also the expectations of the world and those around us have for us as well. And so there's a lot to manage when we look at that of not just saying, oh, this is the right way to do something or the wrong way. But there's so many other outside influences and contributing factors that go into that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I am, you know, being a woman myself, kind of want to look at all of that um, from a different lens because, you know, I too passionately want to accomplish things and, you know, be a winner in, in all kinds of, you know, ways. So how do we capitalize on that strength, right? On all of these things that we are presented with as women and how do we apply that to the management of our personal finances? Absolutely. I think number one for women is slow down and to compliment yourself on what you're doing well. There is so much out there that tells you you're not enough or you need to be more. All you have to do is pick up your phone and open up Instagram and you see, and I'm using air quotes for those of you listening, is the perfect mother or the perfect wife or the perfect woman, right? She does not exist. 
<laughs> she is not out there. And so I think we need to be gentle with ourselves and be compassionate with ourselves of realizing you aren't meant to juggle everything all at the same time, but instead slow down and really enjoy, be in the moment. And I am not, by the way, this is where you, you're pointing one finger forward and three fingers are pointing back because this is not my strength. I really have to find myself doing that. Uh, as you know, I just had a baby a few months ago and I find myself almost working, uh, I'm a nursing mom. And so when I have times for those feedings, Often it's so efficient that I'm saying, hey, let's get feed. Okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I've got to learn to slow down and enjoy those tender moments because this doesn't last for forever. You know, just like we've learned in this last year of a pandemic, things change and change rapidly. Uh, We were just talking a minute ago. It's been one year really since this pandemic has been with us and how quickly things shut down or change or refocus. And that's one of the things I'm hoping that we've learned and are continuing to learn from the pandemic is to slow down and to figure out what really matters in life. I am of the, the belief that there is a good, a better, and a best for everything. And all of us were doing good things, right? You can fill your plate with good things. You can run yourself ragged with good things, but it's really important for us to step back and say, what is, how is my time better spent or even better yet? How is my time best spent and who should it be spent with? So if you're one that's always wanted to do something, whether that be travel the world or spend more time with your kids or coach a basketball team, then this is your moment. Capitalize on that and do those things that you most want to do out of life. And I think that's one of the big things that I've learned during this pandemic time is just really focusing in on what you want to do. And that can be applied as well to your money because money is simply a tool to utilize to help you get to where you want to be, right? It's a tool to help you in your life achieve and accomplish and experience the things you want to do, whether it be with your family or your friends or you yourself. It's not the end all be all. It's the tool that you use to get there. And that's where I think with money, if you use that and spend it accordingly or save it accordingly or whatever the case may be of your personal mission statement, your personal vision for your life and how you want to live your life and stop comparing, stop comparing yourself to anybody else. Stop comparing yourself to the Pinterest mom and all the rest. Instead, don't focus on that. Focus on you and focus on what you're doing well. Realizing that not one size fits all. There's nothing that is a silver bullet that's going to say this is how to do it perfectly. I think I saw that with the pandemic. And let me me illustrate for you here. One of the things that I've noticed is many moms have struggled with daycare and with school in this last year, right? Do I send my kid back to school? How do I do this? How do I manage during a pandemic? Uh, A lot of us have had to teach online. We never signed up to be teachers, but that's what we've had to do. I will tell you, it was varying choices. I sat down with a group of moms who we all had kids a similar age. And there was a lot of internal turmoil with themselves of trying to figure out the best solution. And I walked away from that conversation with a half a dozen women, realizing that every single woman was trying the best to make the best decision for their family situation. 
And I emphasize their family situation because it was different than mine. We had a high-risk individual in our family. Uh, I was high-risk at the time because I was pregnant. Our choices in this during this pandemic time have been very different than some of my friends who don't have those individuals in the high-risk category who wanted to get out more. And, and it, there wasn't a right or wrong. It wasn't their way is better than my way. It was our whatever we chose for our family was best suited for our needs and our situation. And if you apply that same concept to money, then I think you've hit it on the head. It's, it's not this is the right way to do it, but instead sitting back, sitting down with your partner or your spouse or, or your significant other, and even your kids and having a family discussion of what is the right way for our family? What do we want to save for? What do we want to spend on? What are the experiences we want to have? And what is important to us? And how do we spend our money in alignment with our values and our mission? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too the dynamic I see because I do a lot, a lot more of uh, you know working with clients one on one and couples too, right? And I think I, I was just thinking about percentage, but I don't know if I want to come up with something. But I would say, let's say more than half of you know of couples. Uh, or relationships that I get to work with, um, it probably you know the the male spouse is the one who's kind of kind of running the show. That doesn't mean they're you know they're making the most money. It's and it may be the delegation piece too. And I actually it really too always ask a question, right? Well, who is who's kind of running the show? Who's you know who's making uh, you know all who's doing all the things? Doesn't mean that you're making all the decisions. So if if women wanted to step into that lead role, right? And that's what I always want to think of myself is like, how can I, you know, be the one maybe leading more, taking over more? What are some of the things that they can do? You know, I think this is a great question. I'm glad you brought up this discussion because we do often hear at least, and I, I would say the more in past history, the more typical situation was the husband was the the wage earner and the, the wife was maybe the, the more nurturer home taker. And we've seen that change obviously a great deal in the last hundred years, right? I, I would not say that stereotype is necessarily true today. It is just that it's a stereotype and not does not reflect every family. So we do see more women that, like I mentioned before, are either breadwinners or maybe taking more roles and responsibilities. Here's the thing that I think I want to emphasize though is no matter how it looks in your family and in your personal situation, I strongly believe the most important part is the communication. The communication between you and your spouse or your partner and in how you two communicate together, or if you don't. And I have seen both good and bad. So it may be that one earns higher than the other, but that does not mitigate the other's contribution to that role. For example, if it is that more traditional route and the husband is more the breadwinner and the wife does, maybe she stays at home with her kids. Awesome. Good for you. Please do not find yourself of less value because you are doing a great thing and you are needed. And I'll give you a perfect illustration of that. We often think of life insurance for the wage earner. If the wage earner were to, to pass away, then we would need to make up that money. Well, I can tell you now, a stay-at-home spouse might not be bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And they're being paid more in kisses and slobbery <laughs> of hands to clean, right? 
But if that that homemaker, the, the, the mother in this situation, if she were to pass away, that would be very difficult for that family because then you don't have the person to be the caretaker for the kids. You're going to need extra help with managing the household necessities and resources. So I think there's definitely financial and emotional impacts that, that play into finances as well. I would also say too here is just because one person understands more about money does not mitigate the other person's role or need for knowing about money and making money decisions. Again, this is a joint effort. Hey, money bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order? Once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together, but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow system, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting. And who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less five or five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. I'll give you an ex- personal example. My husband and I are very different. And I think that opposites attract often in relationships, right? So, and, and I'm kind of guessing with you, we are money women. We love money. We talk about money. It is not uncomfortable to us in the least, right? That's right. And yet my husband, the one thing he hates to talk about is money. He does not, he's had very different life experiences surrounding money. And so with that, I have learned over time, sure, could I do it on my own? Could I manage everything by myself and make all the decisions? Absolutely. But it's not right to do that because we are a partnership. We are a marriage. And so we have often, we have communications. We sit down and we talk about this. Right now, we're in the midst of buying a new home. And it is not just one of us making that decision. We are, 
we are making this decision in tandem and working together. Now, that is an example of a very large purchase where often you have to communicate about it. But I would say even in the smaller things, in the day-to-day things, there shouldn't be one person that's just in charge of this or just in charge of that, but work together however that looks for you and your family. Make sure that that communication is open. The other thing that I would caution women on too is this should not be a control thing. There should not be one partner controlling it, the controlling the money and thereby controlling the other person. And I've seen that way too often of money using to manipulate or control. And if that is the case, that is abuse. <laughs> and you need to, to rectify, either have this discussion or, or ask a therapist and get involved in maybe some couples therapy because money can be a manipulative tool. And so make sure that whether you're the income earning spouse or you're both income earning or you're caretaking, whatever your role is, that both of you are talking about those things and making joint decisions. Because if and when the day, and we've seen this in the last year, especially something were to happen to one of you, the other one's going to have to take on these burdens and roles all by themselves. And so work together now not just because someone might pass away, but it's fair. It's fair in in sharing those responsibilities together. And it makes for a more solidified marriage and a better partnership between you when you've got that open communication around money. Oh, totally. And uh, to follow up on your, yes, my husband and I are actually, well, we're both our financial professionals. He's he's an accountant who does not uh, practice accounting. He is out there, you know, running around selling real estate and that's what he loves, but he knows a great deal about numbers, right? Probably more than I do in terms of uh-huh. you know, the, the, the actual very technical stuff, but our communication and the way we handle it is, um, is our way. Right. And so something that I've found over the years, just to kind of, you know, entice us both to have that communication or open communication or more frequent conversations is to say, Hey, honey, can we have our money date? So we can talk about X, Y, and Z is that, you know, maybe it's a a large purchase, like, like you guys are going through right now, buying a house or it's a, you know, something like even this morning we're rearranging or the weather's getting nicer and uh, we want to put a, you know, little sitting area with a fire pit. And I'm like, Hey, do you want to have a wood burning fire pit or do you want a a gas? He was like, Oh, it's just the gas one. I'm like, how are we going to connect the gas? And so like, uh-huh. Like that, right? It's a not a huge purchase, but it is something that I could probably figure out on my own. Um, but you know, so including including your spouse or your significant other in these conversations, I think is is probably the key to um, happy marriages, right, or happy relationships, because that's probably one of the biggest um, reasons why people you know kind of fall apart because of miscommunication. Not so much about you know, how much money you have and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm a big advocate for that. Like open communication is definitely important. If we were to go back and just where we talked about initially how women are more intuitive and more um, feeling kind of oriented individuals, right? And how we process information and how we make decisions. So when we come to look at personal finances and all the things that we need to, you know, to understand and learn about and do, um, if we were to to look at that, how would financial advice be different to them or would it be different? Good question. Great question. Um, so I want women to know too, just because you don't feel like you understand something does not mean you're stupid or that you don't know how or something works. You can learn and or I would often argue those who use financial jargon and try to talk over your head 
they actually aren't very good at what they do or understand it well enough. What is the saying that if you can teach a child something, then that's finally the way that you understand it the best yourself. And so please, I I feel like women, several women that I've known have been very reluctant about personal finance or just felt uncomfortable with it or uh, to be honest, ashamed and, and maybe embarrassed that they don't know a lot about money. Please, please, my my premonition to you is don't feel that way. That's why, Anna, you're doing what you're doing. That's why I have my blog and I'm trying to educate and empower women because if you are in a any kind of a setting, a banking setting or a financial planning setting, and there is, let's just pretend it's a male planner talking with the other, with your spouse or, or significant other. And they're only speaking to the, the spouse. I would say that's a problem with the planner. That's not a problem with you, right? And so I want women to feel empowered. You are smart. You are capable and resourceful. And we don't need in this world, we don't need everyone the same. We need everyone who they are and to bring their own strengths to the table. And so you don't have to know everything that the financial planner knows. You bring your own strengths and ask questions. It's okay to ask questions and no question is stupid. And if someone can't explain it back, move on. Get a better better planner in my book is get someone who does explain things and doesn't dumb it down. I remember one experience of a life insurance individual trying to turn to me once and said, Hey, I can teach you how to use coupons. Well, I did not tell him I was getting a PhD in personal finance. He just assumed that I was stupid and did not know how to use them. And I've always thought of that of don't treat people in that way. And so I would really make that plea uh, in the world that we work in, Anna, it's very male dominated, very financial services. And I think that there's a fear for women to either get into this profession or even know about it. And I want that to change. I want women to feel empowered that you bring something to the table, right? You bring a lot to the table. And so speak up, have a voice. And if you don't know something, ask the question or find out about it. Uh, And if your spouse or partner is making you feel lesser than, that is not okay. You know, reach out, get help um, and know that you are important and that what you think and what you say is important as well. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot agree more. It's definitely been there. And yes, unfortunately, our world is, is that. But I'm excited to hear a little more about what you're doing with, with your blog. I love the name, Chief Financial Mom. It's, it, it's just like, it hits all the stars for you. Like, oh my God, that is just such an empowering, empowering name. So ta- tell us a little more about that. Sure. Uh, this started right after I had my first daughter five years ago. I was remember very vividly uh, w- looking for diapers or all the many things you have to buy for a newborn and just realizing how much marketing is aimed at moms and at women in general. It's a very lucrative market for, for big businesses. And it it was very hard to find the education side or what to do with money, right? There's a lot of ways to spend it Mm -hmm. and a million different ideas of what to spend it on. But there's not a lot of what do I need to do in my situation? What's the best for me? What is that? Uh, There was a lot of people out there to tell me what to do with my money. But I was looking more for things that again, emotionally resonated with me. What What spending is in line with my visions, with my emotions, with who I am and my 
my mission for my life. And so that's why I started to financial mom is looking for that behavior change, whether it be behavior change in your cash flow planning, or whether it be questions, right, of what is estate planning and why is this matter to me when I'm in my 20s? Like that's something for old people. <laughs> Those are the types of things that I want to empower women to be able to know and not feel embarrassed to ask of uh, what's a variable annuity or a life insurance policy, what's a whole life policy, and why does that matter? These are the things that we throw around, and I wanted women to be able to feel like moms especially you're busy. You've got a lot on your plate. The last thing you need to do is go get a master's in personal finance to understand what the financial planner is talking about. And so I want to be able to empower them of how do, how do you look for a good planner, right? What makes a good planner? What questions to ask? Uh, what should you ask a financial planner? Um, what questions could they answer? So those were the, the thoughts behind the blog. It has since morphed into uh, the podcast that I work uh, right now called Real Money, Real Experts that we're working with Rebecca on. Um, it's a business to business. There's lots of things that I've realized over time have been able to help individuals in variety of needs, whether it be female business owners, as they're trying to, I've heard a lot of moms want to work more uh, because we're at home more now after this pandemic. Uh, many are saying, okay, how do I pivot my career and allows me to work and help my kids while also working online? Um, also, there's a lot of women that just are ready for, for change. And, and, and I feel like that's the thing is empowerment um, to moms, especially, is why I started this blog. I'll, I'll wrap up with one of the thoughts that I really believe that not just women, but all, we want to be heard. We want to be listened to. And often in this busy, noisy world that we live in, our voices become smaller and smaller, or we feel less significant. And I really want that for women. I want them to be able to feel like they are heard, that you matter, and that what you do and the skills and and traits you have are, are really bringing others to the table and you're helping no matter what you do, even in the small minute things that you think might be mundane. One of my favorite sayings is the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Hmm. And so don't forget that the little things you're doing every day, they matter. And you can go to bed every night, even though it wasn't a perfect day, and you weren't a perfect mom, or you weren't the perfect uh, worker that day, you are enough. And there's always tomorrow that you're going to be okay, step at a time, day at a time, and just keep putting your shoulder to the wheel and making it work every day. Oh, Mary, this is probably something I needed to hear. <laughs> I totally love it. On the financial side of things, that's always where my brain is going. So what is there a practical advice you have for, for our listeners today? Um, if we got yeah. ourselves together and we're taking that next step and we know we've got it, what do we do? I mean, we, the, there's just the life without money is impossible. So we're using it as a tool. What is your best suggestion? I'm a big fan of envisioning, envisioning exercises, because a lot of what we've talked about today... Um, a lot of what we have talked about today is really gone around what you envision for yourself, not just your life now, but in the future as well. And so one of the practical tips I will give moms and women in general is 
with your money, plan on where it goes. And it can be as simple as this, okay? So at the before the month even starts, sit down and write down literally income minus expenses, right? And on this little practice, you don't have to get fancy. Don't use your gross income. Just use your net income. That means after-tax income. Just use what hits your checking account. And then just start writing down, what are my fixed expenses? What are the things that I know I have to pay every month, whether it's the mortgage or the rent or uh, you know, daycare, whatever those expenses are, which most of those we know pretty well. And then what are my variable? So what is the food? What is the clothing? And estimate, many of us won't know what those are. Some of us might have a general idea or think that we know what those things are. And so I would say envision and and make sure that everything you have coming in goes somewhere, whether it's in savings or retirement, or if every penny is being spent, put it to work and realize where that money goes. And then at the end of the month or throughout the month, I I encourage you to track. And the end of the month, you go back and you reflect. So you do an estimated and an actual and it's literally a comparison of the two. And you can find this on my, my blog as well. Um, there's a worksheet that you can use on the spending plan exercise. But at the end of the month, you're able to go back and reflect and say, I thought I was spending this amount on food or clothing or whatever that may be. But in actuality, this is where it's going. Um, a lot of times this is used recently in the weight loss industry. So you probably have heard of things like Noom. Uh, which is a psychological approach to weight loss. It's not necessarily a diet. It it teaches you why to eat a grape instead of a raisin, right? And the only thing they're having you do is track. Track your weight and track what you put into your mouth. That same thing applies here in the financial world. If you track on like just what I explained, envision where it's going to go, where you're going to have that money go for the next month, and then you track it, There's no outside planner. I never have to come back to a client or a student and say, here's where you should spend your money. And anyone that tells you where to spend your money is dead wrong because it's yours, right? But you start to make behavior changes yourself because you start to see where that money is going. Just like with the other, you start to see where your calories are going. So you you start making changes to that. Same thing with your money. If you start noticing where those things are going, you'll start to make and empower yourself to make those changes. And the best person to make those changes is you because no one's telling you to do it. You're making that choice to do it. And you're making the best choice for you and your family and your situation. And nobody knows that better than you yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. And I I think some people get intimidated by this idea of tracking, just like probably why there are all these programs that exist with, you know, the weight loss and, and everything, but there are tools out there too, right? You don't have to, like, if you really do want to do it by hand, please go ahead. If you don't, you can download an app on your phone, just like in, in, in three seconds. And that will give you exactly the same, the same answers you're looking for. So yeah, now, there's as a follow-up to that. I have found over time, I totally agree. It, it, tracking for forever by hand is hard. There are a few out there that love it and that do it. But yeah, in this day and age, there's so much electronically that you can do, whether it's an app, whether it's Quicken, you know, whatever the software may be that you choose. Um, I do find value though, Anna, that if you really want to get a good look at it, to sit down and do this little exercise, and it's just going to take a, a, an hour or two a week to do, 
Um, but I have found that if they will actually do pen to paper or spreadsheets or whatever you're comfortable with, like you're saying, if you will do that and just really focus on it for one month, not for forever, but just truly see where that is and what's going on, then thereafter you can start to envision better and emphasize better where your money really is going. Because if you don't know where it's been going and you just keep guessing at it, but don't really keep track of it, you won't know. And so if you just take a little more concerted effort for a month or two, you'll get a better idea. And then you can start to set some principles for yourself that are more ongoing. You can set up uh, automatic transfers. You can set up um, certain buckets, savings buckets like we see, or even spending buckets that you're more realistic on. Otherwise, I find that clients keep thinking they're spending $200 on groceries where it's really maybe like a thousand, right? And that way they can make those changes themselves or or say, hey, I want to keep spending this, but where do I take from? Uh, And you can uh, work that math out. So that's that would be the one thing I would say if you could just give it a shot for a month or two and then put it on autopilot thereafter and kind of come back maybe annually to, to check in and see if it's still working for you. Yeah, sounds like a plan. So to close our conversation today, I know you're putting out a lot of interesting um, ideas and with your blog, how can our listeners connect with you, Mary? You bet. Uh, The best way is through chieffinancialmom.com. And we would love to have you connect with us. I will also uh, send you our landing page as well. There's a free guide that you can get that actually gives you all the questions to ask a financial planner or counselor before you engage. And we hope that this document is very helpful as you are looking to find that individualized, personalized investment advice or financial planning advice, uh, even better for you and and your family of what works for you all. Yeah, totally um, excited and willing to share. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. Uh, So don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.